Hello and welcome back to the God Story Podcast. I'm Brent Siddle and I'm back in uh, King's Grace, Palmerston North, uh, Presbyterian Church, Palmerston North, New Zealand, with Rido. Hi, Rido. Hi, Brent. How are you? I'm all right. You've been sick. I have and been you're still struggling a bit with your um, with your flu. Uh, this time we're diving back into the Gospel of Mark, and gosh, we've we've been we're up to chapter fourteen, verses thirty-two to sixty-five. Rita, we have really gone into Mark in great detail in these shows. Yeah, and it's been a real joy. Yeah, and we're nearly nearly to well, we're getting towards the end. We're nearly, we're nearly there. We're nearly, we're nearly <laughs> and it's felt like it's been. I think we've been going on this for about two years yeah. on and off. Now, um, what sort of Jesus do we see in today's account, Rito? Not the masculine, mighty Jesus that, that some people might want to portray him as, uh, but although not weak either. Oh but, no! But no. A, a sad Jesus is maybe the best way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yes, yes. Jesus has been remarkably calm right up to this point in in the gospel narrative. But what's changed here? Do you think? Well, he's about to die. Basically, is yeah. is what's going to happen. So he has been, you know, as we've seen over uh, the last previous chapters, Jesus has been talking about his death is coming. Well, he, his death is here. We're on the day, basically. Yeah. Okay. So let's read it, uh, looking at verses thirty-two to thirty-six of Mark fourteen. And they went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John, and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will but what you will. We've just been talking about the cup of God's wrath with Alistair Roberts in Revelation 15 this morning. Oh, wow. Yep. Yeah. What's the significance now, Rito? Biblical theology time. What's the significance of the fact that this takes place in a garden? Well, it's kind of a replay of other biblical stories in the past. So you've got the garden, obviously the Garden of Eden. Uh, you've got the wilderness kind of idea happening with Israel. You've got, um, you know, kind of Jesus being going out into the wilderness yes, early on, early on mm. in his ministry. Mm. I think, you know, kind of, I, I think, of, think of, uh, is it Hosea? You know, kind of that the the wife is led out into the wilderness, you know, kind of and hedged in and, and all different things. That this is this is a place of temptation. Yeah, uh, and so it's a replay of some other biblical stories from the past. Yes, and also it's a place where you meet the serpent, and we're about to meet a serpent and a number of serpents, in fact. What's the cup and the hour that Jesus is so distressed about here? Well, the, the cup is is the cup of God's wrath. And so that, that pops up in the Psalms, uh, that God's wrath is going to be poured out. Uh, and you know the hour that, that Jesus is so distressed about is this hour that's coming where God's wrath is going to be poured out on him. Yes, yeah, so, so it's pulling together all the imagery from the Old Testament of of the cup of the wrath, and also looking forward to Revelation as well, which replays this. Um, I think talking about we've just been talking about uh, poker face and its use of time. I think the Bible's use of time is just as interesting. Yeah, it's kind of backwards and forwards yeah. a little bit, isn't it? Yes, yeah. it's not. It, it's linear, but it's it's also uh, replays Revelation, particularly replays stuff. Now, uh, what does the term Abba mean? Yeah, that's what Jesus cries out of verse 36, Abba, Father. It's kind of a very familial kind of term for for dad, basically. So it's a very personal 
I kind of word. And that's what Jesus is crying out, you know, kind of dad, you know, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Mm-hmm. That is, it's, it's an earnest cry uh, to a, you know, to a dad. Mm. What does Jesus, oh, we've probably already answered this. What does Jesus pray there in verse 36? Well, you know, he, he wants to be taken from the situation. You know, that, that, that's the first part of what he prays for. And that's really important to see that, that Jesus does pray for that. Take this cup from me. He doesn't want to have to go through what he's about to go through. Yes. You know, and it's pretty obvious. But the second part of that is really important. Get not what I will, but what you will. And that, it's one of the mo- that's one of the most really important sentences in the whole Bible, isn't it? That Jesus' submission here to his Father. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's carry on and read verses 37 to 43. And he came and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not. And he's just been warning them about all of this, being being on the alert. Mm. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And immediately... While he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Okay, what's the significance, or is there any significance, to the fact that the disciples are sleeping? Well, I, I think it's a little bit harsh because they've just had the Passover, right? <laughs> so it's, you know, they've just had a big meal. They've been up all day. you kind of like, well, let's go have it, you know. You, you know, is it unreasonable that they're, that they're sleeping? But the point the point is though that this this is the moment where Jesus is coming into his kingdom, where the kingdom is about to be revealed. What about what are his disciples doing? They're asleep. They have no idea what's going on. They have no idea of the significance of the moment. That this is the point where God is ab- about to release humanity from sin. What are they off doing? They're, they're, they can't even stay awake. You know, it's kind of. Mm. I think that's the significance of it. Yes, yes, and he's already warned them about watchfulness. Yeah, um, yeah. I wonder if there is there any significance to the fact that this happens three times. Well, is it the the you know anything that happens three times is a sign of it? Just it kind of you know kind of it's the surety of it. And so, is it Peter that receives the the vision uh, from heaven three times? Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like the certainty of it. You know, his denial is three times. Jesus' reinstatement of him is what three times, mm. and so it's the the definite, like it's definite. You know, kind of it wasn't just an accident. It, it, yeah. it the certainty of it is is there. Yeah, and we get the three times Jesus is tempted in the wilderness and and resists Satan. Yeah. I'm sure that's in in play here. And and Peter, of course, is going to deny Jesus. Yeah. Um, Okay, verses 44 to 52, we read on. Now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, the one I will kiss is the man and uh, seize him and lead him away under guard. And when he came, he went up to him at once and said, Rabbi, and he kissed him and they laid hands on him and seized him. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to them, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I was with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me, but let the scriptures be fulfilled. And they all left him and fled. 
and a young man followed him with nothing but a linen cloth about his body, and they seized him, but he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. Okay, what's going on here? Why is Jesus approached by a mob? Yeah, it's a good question, isn't it? That what, who have they come from? And I think that's that's the important bit in verse four, in verse forty three. So Jesus has come with him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs. So it's, it's a crowd sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. So these are the Jewish authorities sent these people. Jewish authorities obviously haven't come themselves. They sent some people to go and do the dirty work for them. Yes. Do they think that um, are they are these folk sent because the leaders think that Jesus is leading some kind of armed rebellion? That's what it seems to be, right? Look, they come armed, right, themselves with swords and clubs, and you know these people are off uh, on the Mount of Olives, getting ready to come and storm Jerusalem. So we better go out there and, and stop this rebellion happening. Um, I wonder whether there was any significance to the cutting off of the high priests servant's ear yeah because in one of the other gospels jesus puts his ear back on doesn't he yeah any thoughts well when you're standing there seeing that happen you know and you're about to take him into custody you, you'd want to stop and think wait a second <laughs> you know kind of he just healed the guy like is he really starting a rebellion you know kind of maybe there is a significance kind of in that i don't know yes i, I haven't done enough work on it but um it's interesting that slaves ears were bored in the in the law and mm, um yep. and and the high priest has blood put on his ear when he's ordained i suppose if you have your ear cut off you can't hear so is this is a passage making something about the fact that the high priest is going to be cut off uh, is is it saying something about the fact that the high priest is not listening to Jesus? I don't know. Don't know, yeah. Could be. All these ideas are in play. Yep. Better theologian than I am will have to work this one out. Now, we get this um, delightful little scene with the young man in mm. verses 51 to 52. Now, this is curious. What's all this about? So some people say that Mark has, has painted himself into the story here, that Mark, you know, like Rembrandt, he'll oh, often, yes, yes, you know, yes. Rembrandt kind of often, there'll be a figure somewhere in, in his paintings which was, actually him or a Caravaggio who paints himself as a character kind of into the story that that Mark was actually painting himself into the picture, that he was actually there uh, and he was the young man who was wearing this linen cloth, you know, following Jesus, but then who, who runs off. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Just an interesting little vignette. Yeah. Okay, 53 to 65, and they led Jesus to the high priest and all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes came together. Uh-huh. And Peter had followed him at a distance, right into the. I think this is this is fabulous. This description, right into the courtyard of the high priest, and he was sitting with the guards and warming himself at the fire. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but they found none, for many bore false witness against him, but their testimony did not agree. And some stood up and bore false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and in three days I will build another not made with hands. Yet even about this their testimony did not agree. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, Having no answer to make, what is it that these men testify against you? But he remained silent and made no answer. Again the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. That's interesting. Mm. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his garments and said, What further witnesses do we need? You have heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? 
And they all condemned him as deserving death. And some began to spit on him and to cover his face and to strike him, saying to him, Prophesy. And the guards received him with blows. Okay, a lot going on there. What a drama, yeah. What do we notice at the trial, Rido? Well, they can't really get any of their testimony right, can they? (laughs) No, they can't get their story together. (laughs) So it's possible that they hadn't intended on trying to you know arresting Jesus so quickly particularly around the passover you know kind of it does it does say that elsewhere that they 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 kind of say not during the passover that's at the beginning of chapter 14 so it may have been that they didn't quite have all of the uh their ducks in a row and trying to get a testimony together so it's very hurried it does feel very hurried right yeah. they just they're just trying to get something on him. Yes, yes. And so they've got all these people coming in accusing him of different things, and um, but they can't really get anything to stick. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it feels like a bit of a shambles, really, doesn't it? Oh, it's a total shambles. And I was going to say it wouldn't stand up in a court of law, except this is sort of a court. <laughs> yeah. Why is verse 55 significant? Sorry, let me re- reread 55 for us. The chief priest and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence so they could put him to death. But they could not find any. Yeah. Is the, the looking for evidence? Yeah, let's try and find something. You know, you, when you go to a, a trial, you're not looking for evidence normally, are you? You're presenting evidence, saying this is the evidence to show. But they, they don't have enough on him. That they it, it really shows their hearts, though, doesn't it? That they they've done real no investigation about who Jesus is. They don't particularly care. I don't think they just they just want him gone. They just want him gone. It's let's. It's this old story of let's just throw all the muck at, at him we can and hopefully some of it will stick. Yep. Um, what's the significance of the high priest questions? Yeah, so the, the kind of verse 60 onwards is that the high priest stands up. You know, are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that, that these men are bringing against you? That, that's talking about the destroying the temple and raising it again. But he doesn't really – he doesn't wait you know, kind of for an answer, he just kind of goes on and on and on. But, you know, verse 61, Jesus remains silent, doesn't give an answer. But then he asks another question. This is the, the most important one. Are you the Christ, the son of the blessed one? You know, kind of that's, that is the key question uh, that we've been in, uh, kind of asking the whole way through John. It's the one, sorry, through Mark. It's the it's the one question that, that's kind of the key thing to all of the Gospels, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Is Jesus... The Christ, the Son of the Blessed One. What's the significance of the I am statements of Jesus here? Is there any significance to that? Well, don't you think it's interesting that Jesus, he just answers the question? You know, mm. he's not a politician, right? He, he, it's, it's not a, well, you know, kind of maybe, you know, kind of like, it's a nuanced answer or anything like that. He just he dumps himself straight in it. And by doing that, he knows exactly what's going to happen. It, it means that according to them, he's blaspheming. Mm. But if he's telling the truth, then he is not blaspheming, you know, that he is really the son of God. Well, he says, I am, too, which in the Greek is the echoemi. We've dealt with this before, which yeah. is the Greek version of the Hebrew, I am that I am. Yeah. Or I am that I I will be what I will be. Yeah. The, the, is what God says to Moses, isn't it? Yeah. And so, mm. you know, he's claiming there that he is equal with God. Mm, yes. Oh, that he, more than that, that he is God. That he is God, yes. Yeah, by extension. extension right? Yes, yes. Now, um, why does Jesus speak of... I, does he, I take it he's speaking of his ascension there because they're going to see him... They're going to um, witness him entering the right hand of power. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And, the, but then, and coming on the clouds of heaven. Mm. 
I don't know. Is it is it a reference to the ascension and the return? Possibly, I don't know. Possibly, mm. you know, kind of. A, I I don't know one hundred percent. But the, you know, whether that, that's in the resurrection mm. yeah, the, at, at the judgment that they will see who Jesus really is, mm. but it will be too late for them at that point. Okay, well, that's about our coverage of the of the passage. What do we take away from this? It's intensely dramatic. Mm. Yeah, one of the one of, I think the big thing is that this whole time we've been asking that question. Who is Jesus? Here we see, you know, kind of without a doubt who he is, right? He, he, people say, oh, no, Jesus never claims to be God or Jesus never claims to be you know, God's son. Well, you've got a problem there in verse 62, mm-hmm. don't you? Yeah. That, that you will see the Son of Man sitting, the, you know, he says, I am, and then you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One coming on the clouds of heaven. He is claiming to be God there. You yes, know, I, think, I think so. There's no doubt about there's it. There's no right? way you can get around that. No, no. He's, he's claiming to be God. And he's also claiming to be the one prophesied as the Christ and the Son of God through the Scriptures. So he can't just be a good teacher or, or a good man. He has to be who he said. Because if that's the case, then what that 60, verse 62 is saying, Jesus is lying. He can't just be that. He must be God. Yeah, absolutely. Rito, once again, thank you for uh, a, a really good episode. And um, there we are. So next time we're coming on to uh, Mark fourteen sixty-six to fifteen fifteen. Thanks, Ian, and thanks to our creative team at Liquid Edge who sponsor this podcast and who take care of things behind the scenes. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the God Story Podcast. To ensure you never miss an episode, please subscribe. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please take a moment to give us a rating and leave a review. This will help more people discover God's story for themselves. If you'd like to get in touch or learn more, please visit godstorypodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. That's godstorypodcast.com.